I always talk about rhythms as being like a routine's laid back cousin. And the only really difference is you're still kind of using like a sequence of events or, you know, certain types of events within a time block, but routine would be in the same order and rhythm would be like you're doing it within that morning time block, but not necessarily all in the same order. Hey there, and welcome to the Corporate Side Hustler Podcast. And I am your host, Elisa Rigoli, HR manager by day, Instagram manager by night, a wife and a mom of two beautiful girls. Now in 2014, I walked away from the dream job. I worked nine plus years to get to. And here's the deal. I said no to this opportunity because I knew in my gut, I no longer wanted to climb the corporate ladder, but I wasn't ready to leave the corporate world. So I created this podcast channel to support you busy women, to maximize your time while juggling all the things. Each week, my guests and I are sharing how you can attract, nurture, and connect with your ideal audience with intentionality without spending countless hours online. We get the struggle of the juggle, and we want to remind you that you can build and run a profitable side business while working your demanding day job. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Hey, Lisa, I'm so happy to be here. We are happy to have you. I think before we dive into our topic, I would love if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Emily McDermott, and I am a wife and mom of two boys, ages three and five. And I'm a stay-at-home mom, have been since my oldest was born, uh, but I have been doing some, I guess, side gigs, side hustle, starting a business here. I blog about intentional living, minimalism, habits, and simple living at my blog, Simple by Emmy. And I also do custom poetry for special occasions. If you ever need a poem, I'm your girl. And I also recently launched a course for moms of kids ages six months to five years called Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. So I really love writing poetry. I eat peanut butter like every (laughs) single day on everything. (laughs) And yeah, I'm really enjoying this season of motherhood where my kids are a little bit more self-sufficient. They're starting to actually really like playing with each other. I know that you have your two girls. I don't know if they actually like playing with each other, but it took a little while for my boys. So that's one of the gratifying things about motherhood when you start to see those relationships blossom. I, I'm sure. I, I feel like that's where we're at right now, but I hope that it, I hope it lasts because right now they enjoy each other, but I always yes. work. I love what you, how you unpacked who you are and what you do. And I didn't know your love for peanut butter. We should talk more because I have the same love. Oh, good. <laughs> but this is probably one of the reasons why we instantly connected on social media and why it was very easy for us to form a friendship. Because even though you're not in corporate, I felt really pulled to you of knowing what it's like to be a mom of two little ones and doing all the things for them and still being a wife, but then still wanting to make sure that you had something you were doing that is your own Mm -hmm. and how you were doing it specifically for other females who were dealing with overwhelm, which is why we're going to be diving into how to really help women like us, women like you who need help with preserving their time and resources. And curious if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about what pulled you into focusing on that topic. 
of overwhelm. Yeah, definitely. So I learned about kind of simple living and simplifying things back while I was going through uh, fertility treatments for what ended up being for my oldest child. And I just really felt like, okay, I need to remove the excess, like excess stuff, excess to do's because things were just really crazy at the time. You know, I was working full time trying to get pregnant and I was like, okay, I need to make a shift. And after that, I started really adopting some of these principles, but also started removing again, some of like the excess decisions that I needed to make, especially as a mom, you know, learning, learning the ropes of motherhood. And then we found out we were pregnant again. And I know you can relate with this going to have two under two, which I was not, not expecting at all. (laughs) And so I really went through a difficult time with like postpartum anxiety. And I found again, that sort of this simplifying and streamlining was really preserving what little energy and focus and time that I had. And really all of these ideas have helped me as I've gone through these different seasons. And so I'm just really passionate about allowing women and especially moms of young kids, because that's where my heart is, to look at, okay, when we get that really uh, intense feeling of overwhelm, where is it coming from? And really, what are some of the steps that we can do to do something about it when we literally don't know where we want to start? Like you say, when you feel like you're pulled in all directions and have the struggle of the juggle, as you say, I feel like that's true for you know, like a stay-at-home mom who's trying to work on a side gig like myself, similarly to someone that is working, you know, full-time and balancing career and family and relationships and all of those things. So that's why I'm just very passionate about it. Everything you said, I'm sure that my listeners felt the same way too, where they're like, I can relate, I can relate, I can relate. But the one thing that really stood out is when you said that there's excess stuff and then there's excess decision-making. And the excess decision-making, it really struck a chord of, I sometimes don't realize that it's those things that start to create the overwhelm. I almost think Mm -hmm. of the physical things I can see of, I'm definitely the type of person that I can't work in chaos. So when, when the girls go to bed, I'm the one that's cleaning up just so I can unwind with some tea at night because I can't. (laughs) So I just appreciate you calling it excess stuff and excess decision-making because I Sometimes departmentalize it that way. And it's good for me to acknowledge that. Yeah, I agree. Because a lot of times in the simplifying minimalism space, the focus immediately goes to like decluttering. And there's a good reason for that. Because when you have visual stimulus overload, you know, and that's true for us as well as whether you have, you know, if you have children, when you have all of that clutter in your view, what your brain is registering is unmade decisions and undone tasks. So the visual aspect of it is extremely important, but also when you're thinking about, you know, the things that you want to accomplish, the things that are most important to you, there are small tweaks that you can make in the decisions that you're making that aren't so important so that you can preserve your brain power and your energy. Because supposedly we make 35,000 decisions a day. And if you are uh, a parent or even for your spouse, perhaps or partner, you're making additional decisions for other people that you care for and you have your work and so forth. So when you think about the magnitude of that, 
anything that you can do to reduce excess decisions is important. I agree. And I know you're going to be walking us through some things that we can do to help that. And I believe the first one is really about taking a look at a certain time block out of our day just to help us with that excess stuff. Can you walk us through what that means and what that should look like? Yes, definitely. Uh, I always suggest like pretty much anything else when you're trying to make a change in your life, starting small, right? So instead of looking at your entire day and kind of feeling overwhelmed by that, take a certain time block. So perhaps from when you wake up to kind of like your mid morning, you know, so let's just say for me, that could be like from 7am to 1030am and look at what is actually happening during that time. And that could be a variety of things. The point is that we're not judging ourselves and saying, oh my gosh, like I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Just writing it down. But more importantly, writing down how you feel during each of those things. So for example, I just do something with my students very simple. You have the time of day and then you have two columns, what I did, how I felt. And you go to your closet. Now, when you go to your closet in the morning and pick something out to wear, do you feel like this is a low stress activity or a high stress activity? Maybe in you know pandemic times, it might not be so high stress. But if you are looking and saying, oh, I have nothing to wear, nothing fits me, I don't like that. You've already been kind of using up a lot of that decision-making power at the beginning of the day. And if you have a negative feeling attached to that, you're kind of draining your energy first thing. So the how you feel during that is one uh, is more important in some ways than the thing you're actually doing. So just track that for a small portion of your day. That would be the first step. I like that. And I am a big time blocking person, but I never thought of it from the lens of then taking account as to how that time was spent. So a column of what I did versus how I felt. And I think that's just a good gut check. And by the time our listeners hear this, this week would have passed, but this is the mental wellness month. So May is all about mental wellness. Mental (laughs) is the right way of saying it. And it's making me even being cognizant of with this last week, what am I doing to really have those two columns of what did I do and how did I feel doing that? So I love that. Yeah. I hear from so many moms that the time of their day that is the most rushed and where they feel the most frazzled is the morning. And it's because in the event, you know, that they have kids, they're getting them to school or, you know, daycare or whatever the case may be, you are, you know, in charge of yourself, but you're also trying to move, move along these little people that... (laughs) don't want to be moved along. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind as well. What can you streamline to lower the stress of the things that you are in control of so that when you're trying to get your kids in the car, you're not yelling, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, which is stressing you out even more. So it's just really being able to help you be a calmer person, you know, which is, I think, how everyone wants to be able to start their day. Agreed. It's so well said and a good visual for everyone because we all can relate to the morning rush. And I keep telling myself that maybe when my girls are earlier, it will get better. But maybe this is just, I got to just accept that getting ready in the morning will always. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the second thing that we should be mindful of? So I would recommend that you decide what are the top three things that you want to accomplish during that time block. And they can be super small 
They can be like, okay, I want to wash my face or make the bed or, you know, drink your beverage of choice while it's still warm, which is always seems like the dream, right? To be able to do that. Yep. <laughs> or they could be slightly bigger things. Like I know that you like to have your journaling time, uh, Lisa. So maybe that's like extremely important to you or looking to see what's coming up, you know, in your work day, what's going on and whatever it is, those are your three, you know, non-negotiables. And again, we want to be assessing here, not judging, saying, wow, this is really important to me. I haven't been doing this at all. And just feeling really, you know, bad about yourself about it. Just figure out what the things are, limit yourself to three. You can have a mix of maybe some, you know, smaller, some bigger, and yeah, just kind of get clear on those things for that particular time block. I like that. And I tend to do like a mix of like, what's that one big thing? What are two small things? So I have some quick wins and then something I might take up a lot of my time. So I love that you're keeping it simple and doing just three and not trying to overwhelm by saying, oh, I'll try to cram six in there. Three is a right. really, really good number. Which then takes us to step number three. What do you have for us for that one? So I, this is kind of the part that I, geek out a, a little bit about, <laughs> which is looking at what decisions can be removed from whatever time block. And we'll just use the morning as the example. Again, I talked about picking out your clothes. Like, is it something that you could pick them out the night before or try a limited wardrobe for a month? You don't necessarily have to get rid of your other clothes, but just having in your view, a limited number, like a capsule wardrobe kind of concept. Could you limit the number of clothes that your kids have so it's easy that they can either pick things out themselves and they pretty much go together? One less thing for you to have to do. Could you have the same kind of breakfast a couple of days, you know, two or three times a week? Like, okay, I'm going to, I don't want a smoothie every day, but I'll make it three times a week. So that's one less thing to, to think about. For me, I started doing laundry every morning, not because I necessarily that we have all the laundry that's a full load every morning, but because I'm able to gather the clothes and kind of do my whole routine and finish it before I have to take the kids to school. And I don't want to have to think about it because you're able to actually free up your brain power once you're making this like a habitual type of thing. So it's like, what are the ways that we can streamline and all of those things allow you to make room for those top three that are most important to you. So listen, you kicked this off by saying this is the one that you geek out about, but it's yes. you taught me a couple of months ago and I'm so appreciative of because when the girls went back to daycare, complete transparency, I had to wear different clothes than the normal things I was wearing at the house. And it was like my first time interacting with people. And I remember I was like, okay, Emily already taught me, like, don't over, like, stress yourself. What are some of, like, your go-to outfits? And I literally have a section in my closet of my, like, week wear. And it makes it so much easier because it's right there. I know exactly what I'm wearing. And sometimes my husband teases me because he's like, you wore that last Wednesday. And I'm like, yep, and this is where I'm wearing this Wednesday. <laughs> Why does it matter? It's just the routine. And we're even that deep, mm -hmm. even that uh, simplistic with our menu. We eat the same things the first week and the third week of the month. And then the second week and the fourth week of the month. That, and we learned that from you because it's just easier to get groceries. It's easier to know what's on the menu. Do we deviate from it? Yes. 
but it's helped reduce some of the what's for dinner tonight or what should be on the grocery list. So I have you to thank. So as much as you say you geek out, it's one of the things that you've taught me and my husband gets to benefit as well. So I love this one. Oh, oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. The weekly meal plan thing, when I like learned about that, that was so life-changing because you know, as long as you're okay, like you said, you're repeating it maybe twice a month, but then it's just so easy because you're, that's one of the hardest things for me, like the meal planning and deciding how am I going to make the boys, you know, happy with what they're eating and my husband eats gluten-free and, you know, everything like that. You pick the things that are winners and then you just repeat them at intervals. And I'm just so happy that that's working well for you. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, what about number four? So you want to then, you wanna make sure that you're having enough room for your top three. And then you can look at, okay, what are the things that I can eliminate or delegate that doesn't have to be done in that particular time block to make room for the top three? So it could be that you're eliminating something altogether. Maybe, you know, in the morning you're like, I don't have time for the things that I need to do, but I am you know, scrolling Instagram for 20 minutes in the morning or whatever. Yep. That could be something you can, as much as we love Instagram, right? <laughs> but just being able to shift that into a more intentional part of your day or possibly delegating, like, is there something that your spouse or partner could assist with to help you get out of the door to get to daycare? Like, are you able to say, okay, I'm always going to keep the kids water bottles in this particular spot, or I'm always going to keep their, you know, the snacks here. Can you please put them in their bags, you know, their daycare bags or whatever to go. And it's just really important that you look at those top three as non-negotiables. So one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking, okay, is this something I'm going to remove altogether? Am I going to delegate it? I'm going to shift it. Uh, is your energy level. So we're going to go back to the beginning when we talked about how are you feeling? Is it something that you just don't have a high level of energy during that time that you could shift it to a different part of the day? I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the concept of chronotype? Have you heard of that before? I have not. Okay. This is really cool or I find it cool, but it is your circadian rhythm personality. And there's a book called The Power of When by Dr. Michael Bruce. But if you just search for chronotype, there's a lot of images around it because it's based upon these four animals. You have dolphin, wolf, lion, and bear. And it's based upon when you have your energy levels, the highest and lowest, when you go to sleep, how you sleep, and when you're the most productive. So for example, I'm a lion, which is kind of known as like the early bird. I wake up, I have my most, the highest level of energy from when I wake up to probably around one or two o'clock. And then uh, that's when I need to really get the bulk of my tasks done. So if I'm doing social media posts or if I'm doing blog posts or anything, I've been trying to do that on the front end of my day because that's where I have the highest level of energy. So if you have something in your top three, that's a very highly cognitive, you know, decision-making kind of task, making sure that you move it into the area of the day where you have the most energy, if you can, is something to keep in mind when you're looking what to shift. So that's just something I think is really cool and something that we don't always think about. I love that. Can you spell the name of that again? What is that called? Yeah, sure. Chronotype, uh, C-H-R-O-N-O-T-Y-P-E. 
and that book is The Power of When. I like it. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. And let's wrap up with number five. So the goal is to be able to incorporate that top three into your time block. But then the other thing that you can do, kind of the next step part of that is to make it a habit. And another thing I geek out about, which shouldn't be a surprise, is habits. <laughs> um, and so, you know, some people, when you hear like routine, they're really put off by it. because they're like, ah, I don't like to be so structured or I don't want to be, you know, told exactly what to do. And that's fine. I always talk about rhythms as being like a routine's laid back cousin. And the only really difference is you're still kind of using like a sequence of events or, you know, certain types of events within a time block, but routine would be in the same order and rhythm would be like you're doing it within that morning time block, but not necessarily all in the same order. So it kind of depends on what works best for you, but you can start saying, so let's say for example, journaling was one of your top three and you can you know start to stack it based uh on a habit that you already have so when i make my coffee then i will go into my office and grab my journal and my pen right so you're taking something that you do every day no matter what now i don't drink coffee but i understand <laughs> that's something that most people do like every day so you take it based upon you take an anchor event and then you add something onto it and that's how you can start kind of pairing those things together and then you continue to add on the other things sequentially if you want to or again you can just have it be within that time block and as you're making it more habitual not only is it just making it easier for you, but you're literally freeing up your brain power because the part of your brain that makes decisions is your pre prefrontal cortex. And once something becomes habitual, it actually moves to a different part of your brain, which is like the basal ganglia, I think. And anyway, point being, you're freeing up your brain for other decisions, which is the goal, right? So... Yeah, that's kind of like the end goal is to make those top three for that time block habitual. I love it. And I am a creature of habit. So anything I can do that becomes a habit or routine, to your point, helps reduce the time spent to think through what's next, what's next. It's just doing those small things along the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's something that is so important. Like I said, any kind of behavioral change that you're trying to make I have a friend, she always says, slow, slow to stick, you know, keeping it small, doing it slow, realizing that even though the thought is that it's 21 days to form a habit, the average time is actually a lot higher than that. It kind of depends on the activity, but it's not necessarily that it's going to happen, right? It's not going to happen overnight to be able to change these and be able to incorporate the things that are really important. So we're not, we're assessing and we're tweaking. We're not judging and beating ourselves up about it. And we just keep tracking. In fact, in my course, I do like a rhythm tracking worksheet where people are seeing like, okay, is this working? Is it not working? Are there things I can do to make this easier for me? Like if I say I want to work out every morning, can I put my workout clothes out the night before? How did that work? Did it work? Did it not work? Right? So you just continue to tweak so that you're able to really complete those things that make you feel most successful in your day. Love it. Love it. Okay. So let's recap the five steps of how to preserve your time and resources. The first one is for us to take a look at a certain time block of our day. 
The second one is to decide what are the top three things that we want to accomplish during this time block. The third thing is to make sure that we just do a quick gut check by asking ourselves what decisions can be removed from either our morning or evening routine to make room for these three things. Four is to eliminate or delegate anything that doesn't need to be done during this time block to make room for those top three. And five is to incorporate our top three into our time block until it becomes a habit and just being mindful that it might be more than 21 days. Yes, exactly. That's perfect. Yay. Awesome. So Emily, I, as I shared in the beginning, like you and I instantly connected in the DMs and I know that my listeners can do that as well, but I would love for you to share a little bit of how my listeners can get connected with you if they want to learn more about this or just to be able to say hi. Yeah, sure. And before I do that, I want to let everyone know that I am a binge worthy content alumni student. (laughs) And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So incredibly helpful. Talk about removing decision fatigue. I mean, honestly, it was one of the best, and I've taken lots of courses in my life. I have one of the best courses I've ever taken because you were just able to really provide that framework and help me remove the decision fatigue from social media, which is like huge. So I just want to first, I should have done that at the beginning to thank you profusely for that. And I just, yeah, just can't say enough good things. But as far as where to find me, my blog is at simplebyemmy.com. It is a little confusing because my first name is Emily, but my dad always um, would call me Emmy. So that's why I have that as my blog. I'm also at simplebyemmy on Instagram and Facebook. I'm the most active on Instagram. And yeah, I love to connect with people uh, in the DMs. Again, if you need a poem, I'm always happy to write one for you. And otherwise, yeah, I'm just really happy to connect. And I do have a resource for your listeners, if that's something that I can mention. Yes, please do. Please do. Yeah. I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the steps that we talked about today. So I'm going to provide the five steps for overcoming overwhelm. And you can have a summary, not only a summary of what we talked about today, but then be able to dive a little bit deeper into it, kind of workbook style, so that you can start doing this for yourself. Love it. Thank you so much. Those links will be in the show notes. And please, please, please reach out to Emily. She is super easy to connect with. And just everything you're feeling right now is exactly what you're going to feel once you chat with her in the DMs. Now, thanks. You're welcome. The one thing we're doing at the end of each episode is asking a would you rather. So curious, would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great, great grandchildren? Ooh. Yeah. Yes, this one has been, I listened to some of your other episodes and I was like, I am really not sure. So my dad is a huge history buff. And so he would be the one that would do like the family tree and find out all the things about the ancestors. I'm actually the other direction and I have kind of a unique reason why. I mentioned that my husband and I went through infertility and we ended up conceiving Andrew through IVF, my oldest, but we decided to donate the remainder of our embryos. And so that means that there could be potentially children that are biologically linked, I guess you could say, to myself and my husband that might be able to find my boys (laughs) through a donor, like through a registry, 
of donor embryos and such. So sometimes I wonder if someday I might be able to meet them and their possible children and descendants and everything. So that idea kind of fascinates me. And so that's why I think that that would be my answer to that question. Such a cool thing to know about, learn about you. And then I think that's a great response. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Emily, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. Just want to say thank you again for all the goodness that you shared. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. I always love connecting with you. And I know that everyone that listens to your podcast should, if they're not already be following you on Instagram, because you're so fun. And I just love, I love that we've been able to connect. So thank you. Agreed, my friend. Agreed. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, here's what I want you to do. Take a quick screenshot of you listening to the Corporate Side Hustler podcast and upload the image to your Instagram stories and tag me in it at the Corporate Side Hustler. I would love to hear from you and connect with you on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you the same time next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye for now.